invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Ezra, book of Ezra, chapter 4, right before Nehemiah. Ezra, chapter 4. If you get there, you can go to verse number 21 and hold your spot. Ezra, chapter 4, beginning with verse number 21. I'm excited tonight to go into part two of Construction Zone. And I pray that you, maybe you didn't, don't tell me if so, but I pray that this week you took some time to ask God, God, what are you building in me and through me? Four weeks we're talking about this topic of construction zone, and last week to give you a recap, we talked about how in the Bible you are described as a part of what God is building. With Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the prophets and apostles, the Word of God as the foundation, God is building something in you and God is building something through you. Tonight, even as we sit here as a church plant, you are being built into a local congregation that is being built into something that will build hopefully a better community. But it's all in vain if it's not building the kingdom of God. Amen? In the Bible, the books that we are reading are reading together. We're going to read it. We're mostly in Ezra, but I want to remind you that the book of Ezra cannot be separated from the book of Nehemiah. They go together. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, why these books are so special when we talk about what God is building is because Ezra and Nehemiah are the, it is the story of God's people returning to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple rebuilding the society and laws of Israel, and rebuilding the walls around the city. Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple of God. Ezra rebuilt the society and the laws of Israel. And Nehemiah rebuilt the walls that protect the holy city. As we dive into this, I want you to be encouraged by the fact that they are not only building, but they are rebuilding. Tonight, you may come into church feeling like your life is at a point where you're not building something new, you're rebuilding something that's been destroyed or shattered. In a time of chaos and uncertainty where many of our lives, we are affected by our job status or sick members of our family or death or depression or anxiety, you name it, all of these issues, maybe you feel like you are in for a rebuild. Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah are in the process of rebuilding. And in these four weeks that we have together in this series, last week we talked about the crew that you build, what God is calling you to build. The crew that you surround yourself with, and we talked about how not every apparent friend is a friend, and not every apparent enemy is an enemy. Tonight we're going to look at the process of our build. Specifically, I want to help you through when you're building for God and you feel like you've hit a roadblock. You feel like you've hit a barrier or a a halt in the construction. Next week, week number three, we'll talk about your role in the building. And finally, in week four, perhaps the most important, why is it that we build? And so tonight we ask the question, how is it that we build? What do you do in this process, the mentality you hold when God has said, I want you to be used for my kingdom. I want you to transform the community that you live in. I want you to serve my church. I want you to share Jesus Christ. What do we do when we seem to have hit a barrier to what God has called us to do? How many of you have ever felt that moment where you feel like, I've tried. 
I've done my absolute best, but right now, God, I just, I feel like I'm at a, I'm at a standstill. Ezra would have certainly felt this way, and we're going to get there, but first I want to share with you a time where I became a barrier for my dad in his building. I worked for my dad as a kid because if you are a, raise your hand if you're a child who has a father or a mom who owns a small business. Anybody? Well, if you've been in that experience, then you know that uh, you're going to be called into work. I think about eight years old, I've got my first paycheck. It's like $5. And uh, I went into work with my dad, but as I became a teenager, I remember one day in particular where I became a roadblock for my dad and what he was trying to do. I had a girlfriend, I'm not going to name any names, but her name was Jordan Pyle. And um, she lived in Maryland, and I, I really wanted to go see her this day. And at some point, I had communicated to my dad that I was taking off work, because, you know, that's how it works. You just tell your boss that you're taking off. And I had communicated to my dad I thought that I was not going to come to work that day and when I woke up and he's getting his truck ready and I'm packing my truck to come to Maryland and he's packing his truck for a big project that day and I said dad just to remind you I'm, I'm not going to be there today y'all he was livid this was the day that later in polygraph tests for the police department when they would ask me have you ever been fired from a job I would get so terrified because my dad was about to fire me I said to my dad, I'm, I'm leaving, and dad said, no, you're not, son. You didn't tell me anything about this. And I said, well, dad, I, I did. And he said, well, son, I have a massive project today. We are putting a rooftop unit. He did HVAC, a rooftop unit on the mall, and it takes at least six people. I've got four. You're one of them. You are not taking off work today. I took off anyway. He fired me. But that day, I became a, a, a seemingly immovable barrier to my dad. The project simply did not get done that day. And I want to tell you to relate this, that the project did eventually get done. And likewise, I want to tell you tonight that if God has called you something, I'm going to give you the wrap up the message before it ever begins. If God has called you to do something, it may be halted, but it is not stopped. We're going to look at this journey in this book of Ezra and what I want to share with you. Last week we looked that God had called Ezra under the decree of King Cyrus to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But when Ezra got there, there were these adversaries who pretended to be friends. Then they bribed and discouraged and tried everything they could to stop what God had called Zerubbabel to do and Ezra to do and this process that had begun under King Cyrus. If you look with me in chapter 4, I believe that Ezra felt like he was at one of these moments where an unmovable obstacle was blocking him from God's plan for his life. Zerubbabel, more specifically, was in charge of the building project. If you look with me at Ezra chapter 4, beginning with verse 21, and I want to give a public uh, notice to, to Thomas how proud of you I am that you even took this scripture because I knew when I gave it to you how hard it was to name these names Verse number 21, this is the building project. The adversaries of Israel had tried what they could to stop the project from happening. And so the context is they write to the new king, Artaxerxes, and they say, Artaxerxes, listen, I want to remind you that the people of Israel are a rebellious people, that they are a people who have caused problems for you in the past. And so he looks through the records and he decides, you know what, I think that they're right. And verse 21 tells us, Cyrus, uh, Artaxerxes, excuse me, says, Therefore, make a decree, verse 21, 
Make a decree that these men be made to cease and that this city not be not rebuilt until a decree is made by me. And take care not to be slack in this matter. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the king? Church, I want to show you the king not only said, I want you to cease this project. He says, I want you to go to the extreme on it. Don't be slack. Shut it down and shut it down with a firm hand. Verse 23. Then when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai, the scribe, and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease. This wasn't just a kind, I want you to stop building. I want you to stop doing what God has told you to do. This was by force and power they were made to cease. Verse 24, then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Church, I want to tell you tonight that sometimes what God has called you to do is going to be halted. There are going to be times where you are being obedient to the Lord, where you are serving him to the best of your ability, and you are going to be forced to cease what you are trying to do. It could be a barrier, it could be a person, it could be something of circumstance in your life, but what I want to tell you tonight is it's okay if sometimes what God has called you to do comes to a crashing, stopping halt. I want to tell you tonight that it is possible that that problem, that barrier is placed by you. It's possible that barrier is placed by someone else. If you look at Ezra chapter 4 and you really think about it, King Artaxerxes is the one making the decree, but the whole fact that the people of Israel were having to rebuild their city was because they were disobedient to God in the first place. So I ask you, who placed the barrier in their way? If you look at it one way, it's King Artaxerxes. If you look at it the other, it's the people of Israel themselves for being disobedient to God. But either way you look at it, they have come to a halt in what God has asked them to do. And it seems like it's permanent. Nothing is telling them in the moment that this ceasefire on their work is going to end. It feels like they have been crushed. It feels like they have been abandoned. It feels like they have been forcefully stopped from what God has asked them to do. And I want to tell you tonight, it's okay to hit a block. It's okay to hit a barrier in what you are building for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not okay to stop there. Sometimes you caused it, sometimes others cause it, but I want to share with you tonight, you are in good company. You are in good company if you feel like you've been called by God to do something and you are at a spot where you feel like you just can't go any further. And I want to share with you that nine times out of ten, it's a human being, a man or a woman that's caused the problem. And I want to remind you that many plans are in a man's heart but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. You see, if you look at the narrative of Scripture, Moses prevailed through a stuttering tongue and a sea as far as the eye could view. Elijah called down fire from heaven on a soaking wet bundle of wood. David caused his own roadblock with his wandering eyes, but in the end, his heart was still after God. Zerubbabel hit fake friends. Ezra had friends who weren't committed, and Nehemiah had to come up against conspirators who stopped his project. 
Isaiah and Jeremiah had to preach to a people that they knew would not listen, but their words were no less true. John the Baptist wouldn't find comfort in what God caused him to build until his head was on a platter and he was in the kingdom. And finally, friends, I want to remind you that our Lord Jesus Christ hit a barrier that was called the cross, and as the nails will seem to be the final blows, as the enemy threw throw after throw upon Jesus Christ, it seemed like it was a barrier, but what was a barrier was not final, and failure was not really there. Amen. The Savior once seemed defeating, defeated by Satan. And I want to share with you tonight that your barrier is not your burial. Your defeat, it is not final. Number one, it's okay to hit a roadblock. But number two, I, when you've hit it, I want you to ask yourself, who contracted the work? I'm going to encourage you that when you hit a spot in your work for the Lord that you feel like something has come up that you cannot defeat, look at that barrier and ask it, who is your maker? Who is your maker? Because I want to tell you tonight, there is a chance, there is a chance that God placed that barrier there. There are things, I want to be honest with you, where you have convinced yourself that God has asked you to do it, and it's your plan all along. And so it is a possibility that what you have come up against is God letting you know, that's not for you. But my friends, what I want to tell you tonight, if that's the case, you can huff and you can puff and you can be the big bag wolf with the biggest set of iron lungs that you've ever seen. If God set the barrier there, you are not moving it. But when you look at that barrier and you say, who made you? And the answer is anyone but God. I want you to keep pushing. You see, in this story, chapter 5, verse 1, in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that now the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Now, I want to talk about prophecy for a moment. Prophecy is not telling, it's not just telling the future. A prophet's job was simply to receive a word from God for his people. And so when in the Bible we read the prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Jerusalem in the name of God, the God of Israel who was over them, what that's telling us is Ezra, that Zerubbabel and company, they hit this barrier. They were told and forced to cease. But the prophets of God spoke into their situation in the name of the God of Israel who was over them and said, this is not actually what you are supposed to do. God has not called you to stop. We know this because in verse number 2, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. See, church, I, I believe, I've watched it happen, I've done it. I believe that sometimes we are the people that we come up to a closed door and too quickly we assume that God closed it. And I'm here to tell you I've experienced it that sometimes God will close a door in your life because that is not his will for your life, but other times that door is closed and God is just waiting for you to kick it down. 
And sometimes we're too quick to knock or tap or push a little bit or check it and see that it's locked. And meanwhile, God is asking you to pray through that situation, to have faith in what he is doing, to have confidence in what God has spoken into your life and to kick the thing down. Sometimes we're too easy to quit and sometimes we're so stubborn, God's saying stop and we don't. But either way, the answer is the same. When we are building something for the Lord and we come to a point that we think we can go no further, it's the moment to ask, who contracted the work? Who gave me this task? And church, I, I want to share with you that if you know, if you go to God and you seek him, now here's a freebie. You can have this for free and take it home. And if nothing else you hear, hear this. Listen, a good idea if you're trying to figure out if something is from God Open his word. Open his word. How insane is it to hit a moment in your life where you don't know what to do or you feel like you've been stopped or you feel like you can't go any further and to, to beg and beg and beg from God and ask him, God, would you just speak to me? God, would you just give me an answer? God, give me something. Speak, God. And meanwhile, God's saying, I've spoken. Sixty-some books I've spoken. You've not cracked it open yet. Seek the Lord your God and ask God, is this something that you have called me to do? I think there's this misconception in the kingdom of God, and I think it shows up most in the role of a pastor. I've had people talk about, well, do you think you'd ever be a, you think you'd ever be a, a mega church pastor? No. No, don't want to be. Don't want to be. Nothing against them. Not for me. But I think there's this misconception that if God has called you to do something, if God has said build it, that it's always going to be successful. That we measure by numbers or by money. God never said that. He never said that. In fact, the folks that wanted to follow him, he looked at them and he said, you know, the son of man, the one that you're trying to follow, you say you'll follow me wherever I go, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have dens. Birds have nests, the flowers in the field are clothed, but look at me, I'm, I'm Jesus, the Son of God, the, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I have no place to even lay my head. Jesus never said your work was going to be fruitful this side of eternity. It makes it all the more important to seek to know if God has called you to do what you're trying to do. Look at these two men in the Bible. On Thursday, we talked about Noah. Can you imagine being Noah? Think about it. 120 years, you are building a boat for rain that has never come. Day after day, you are working on this massive box that's supposed to float. People are ridiculing you year after year after year. Less and less friends. You're crazy if you don't think Noah's wife and children didn't look at him some days and go, Noah, have you lost your mind? Did God, did God really say build this thing? 120 years Noah would work in what God had called him to do. I imagine there were days that gopher wood was hard to come by or the pitch that he was supposed to use was not easily attainable. I imagine there were days where Noah was sick or under the weather and he asked himself, God, I've hit a block. Are you sure you want me to build this thing? 120 years before Noah would see that box float. 
Just because your work is unfruitful or seems unfruitful does not mean that God didn't give you the work. Isaiah the prophet was literally told, I want you to preach to a bunch of people that are not going to listen to you. When I read Isaiah, I am so thankful for you people. There may be days you don't listen, some of you. But can you imagine being told, listen, I want you to go into this place, I want you to go to this nation, and I want you to to give them my message, but listen, they're not going to hear you. Your job is to communicate, your job is to speak, your job is to deliver a message that's not going to be received. To preach about a Messiah that you will die and be in the grave and it will be 800 years before we find out that your work was fruitful that what you had spoken would come to be. But 800 years later, Jesus Christ was born. My friend, your work may feel entirely unfruitful, but if you know that it is from God, do not stop. In fact, if you feel like this world is not honoring or appreciating or giving return for the work that God has called you to do, you fit in perfectly with the Messiah that you serve. The greatest work that has ever been completed seemed like a defeat at the time. The greatest work that has ever been completed seemed like a defeat at the time. The cross was a curse. The cross, crucifixion, was an ending, not a beginning. Everyone that saw Jesus upon that cross thought, that the work was ending, thought. His own family thought he was crazy. His disciples ran and fled. Some of them had to literally touch his hands when he was resurrected to believe that God had won the day. And can you imagine, my friends, if if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, had been arrested and took that arrest as the block to what God was doing. If he had given up and said, God, and now that I've been arrested, I'm not sure this is actually what you're calling me to do. Father, I I quit. Or if the day that they whipped him and beat him and ridiculed him and mocked him and spit on him and placed a crown of thorns upon his head and mocked everything that he had ever done or said, if Jesus had said, you know what, that's enough, I'm not pushing past this one. Or if as they hung him upon that cross and the nails were driven into his hands and his feet, if he had allowed that to stop him. Or if when they placed him in that grave, he gave up the ghost and just allowed himself to stay there and sleep. Imagine if Jesus had hit a barrier and allowed it to stop him. He didn't. He didn't. And because he didn't, neither should you. The work continues. My friends, I want to challenge you to arise and begin or continue to build what God has asked you to build. As this series goes on, I want you to continue to ask, what is God calling you to build? While you're at it, double check, what are you building that may not be 
from God. If it is from him, don't let anything stop you. Because I believe tonight, right now, I believe that God is building a project tonight. And that project is in you. It's you. It's this church. It's the church. And he's not done yet. He's not done yet. And I want to remind you, there are a lot of churches doing wonderful things. A lot of groups of people doing wonderful, building wonderful things. If it is not built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ, if it is not built on his body and his blood, being built in vain.